Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you all on this Tuesday, October 13th of 2020. We'd like to welcome all of our listeners, those of you that are tuning in from wherever you're tuning in. We thank God that uh, you could take out of your time to study the Word of God in this hour. As I always say, there's nothing better today, and more than ever before, we need to fellowship in the Word of God. And this week, actually uh, starting last Friday, we have begun to look at some very interesting things and very powerful insights concerning in the book of Acts. And today, we are going to continue to study the ministry of Paul and and the different aspects that come with that and, and how the Lord was moving. You know, in the book of Acts, uh, it's always exciting to read, you know, the miracles and how the Holy Spirit fell upon the people. But we can also, there's also things that we can learn, not just from the good, but from mistakes that all of us who are humans make in our lives. And I think there's things that we can learn, uh, not just for the ministry, but uh, to in seeing and understanding how the Holy Spirit moves and operates in our lives. So I'm excited to go into the Word of God today with my brothers. Today in the panel, we have Brother Marty, we have Brother Fernando joining us, and as always, it is a privilege and an honor to be able to study the Word of God together. So Brother Marty, uh, we're excited today about what God has for us as we continue in our journey in the book of Acts, and so I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're, we're going into our third part uh, of the titled study series called Paul in Athens. Uh, like we said when we began this series last Friday, uh, we had intended to just look at a particular aspect of, of Paul's uh, sermon that he gave when he was at Athens, but but the Holy Spirit uh, had other ideas. And, and now, <laughs> as we go into part three, uh, it, it appears we've been actually uh, going through the book of Acts. Uh, of course, this is from the perspective of trying to, to, to see and learn uh, by the direction of the Holy Spirit uh, what brought Paul, the great apostle, to that place uh, where at the age of 51, God sent him to the birthplace of democracy and would have him uh, give that great and powerful uh, exhortation and, and sermon, really. Uh, to 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 the Gentile world at the apex of of political thought and philosophical concept, uh, it was there that God would bring him, but not before um, multiple decades, 23 years really, since the day that Jesus knocked him off his horse in Acts chapter nine, uh, where his life would be permanently and forever changed. And we, uh, we we've been discussing these things and 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 began to see, uh, as Brother Fernando pointed out yesterday in our podcast. When he first got saved and was reading the book of Acts, he wondered uh, at that young age when he was studying to begin with, what is up with, with this, this guy named Paul? I mean, it seems like like the flow of the scripture was taking us in one direction, then all of a sudden interjected right in the middle of the book of Acts, there's this other player, uh, this this Paul, and, and what's that all about? And so we've been exploring that and learning many different nuggets that are that are there present within the scripture if we, uh, by the grace of the Holy Spirit's instruction, uh, have our eyes opened and our hearts receptive to what it is that he's trying to tell us. 
We believe that the things that happened in the early church are parallels or foreshadows of what, what is now taking place in our time, if you have eyes to see it. It will go increasingly more obvious to us here in the West uh, that, that, that that is true. That statement is true. For, for you know, for reflective purposes, really, uh, it's been going on uh, like this, uh, whether you're in China, the Middle East, Africa, you know, in the persecuted places of the world. The church itself has returned itself to house churches and underground churches being forced in that direction for many decades now. And 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 we believe that the Lord is allowing us in our little part that we're playing, and those of you who have been following and listening with us, our brothers and sisters out there, uh, that we've reached that same point. It's going to come increasingly more apparent to those that are discerning and led by the Holy Spirit that, it, that a complete shift has taken place in how the expression of the worship of God is going to be experienced going forward in the in the months and years ahead, uh, and 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 the increasing uh, uh, spotlight of persecution that will come upon uh, uh, those that are that are yet here uh, in this country that haven't figured out yet that the world has changed, and so we're looking at all those things and we're finding those those uh those truths uh that we're trying to glean by the grace of the holy spirit who teaches us all things uh within the book of acts and so we pray that you're enjoying these studies as we begin our study today we'll, we'll use our launch scripture from acts chapter 17 beginning with the 15th verse uh and i'm going to have brother jeremy read that in the name of jesus as we begin our study uh, of the book of acts and paul in athens brother jeremy amen and they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Praise the Lord. They that conducted Paul brought him to Athens, and that's where we're headed, right? <laughs> the Apostle Paul in Athens. It's really a pivotal you know, moment in, in the history of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's fruit. Uh, that would that would occur a, after that ministry in Athens, literally uh, would reach in many ways uh, all the way into the expansion of Christianity into the into the West, and and it, it really became the catalyst for the foundation of Western civilization in its infancy, and and that's a fascinating thing to to explore, and and we've been exploring the history of the early church, but in particular, uh, the working of the Holy Spirit in the preservation and the development of the church and its growth. We've begun to explore as well how and why the Lord chose the great Apostle Paul. And as we continue to, to go forward in our studies, uh, we're really seeking to learn from the many events that drove uh, you know, early church history, I guess is the best way to say it. And hopefully understanding how those events, which are driven really by the unseen will of God at work uh, to serve, to, to, to mold and develop and commission his servants and his church in every generation, really. So it is important, you know, me and my brothers feel to look at the history that brought the Apostle Paul into his public ministry because it serves to reveal really what shaped his understanding, his message, and his calling. Uh, which, by the way, he also had had to come to understand uh, in his conclusions 
uh, he came, uh, how do I say, it? he came He came to these certain conclusions of his calling by revelation of the Holy Spirit, that he was the apostle to the Gentiles. That's a fascinating thing to explore. Because as my brothers and I were talking about before we began the podcast today, every event that occurs within the child of God's life, uh, it is meant to be instructive uh, in, in the reflection of any given event, whether it's a blessed event or or, or a moment of crisis, all of it serves, as Paul would write in Romans chapter 8, uh, to work together for the good of those who are the called uh, of the Lord uh, according to his purposes. And so when we look at the book of Acts, we're, we're taking that approach. We need to look at what actually transpired, the events that, that are recorded there, how they impacted each individual life, and how the Holy Spirit used uh, these events, these occurrences, to begin to uh, to, to mold and shape uh, through the experience of these events, uh, the very personalities that became the foundational stones of the church. That's the holy apostles, and, and as well as the church itself that expanded around the world. And so, yesterday we left off at a crucial moment in church history. We called it the the Cornelius effect. And as we discussed, uh, the apostles had, had failed to, to expand the gospel to the Gentile nations of the world. The Lord had told them to go into all the world, all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. But up until this point, as we've been discussing, and we encourage you to go back and listen to the first two podcasts to catch up, if you're just joining us, up until this point, they had not been taking the gospel to the whole world. Under the leadership of the apostles in Jerusalem, in many ways, the commission to go into all the world had failed miserably. It even resulted in, in the early church, uh, in, in the early days of the church, of, of the death of Stephen, as we discussed at length yesterday, and the scattering of the church resulted as a, 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 out of that martyrdom. Fear drove the church, and if you think about it, they left the position of Jerusalem, scattering in all directions, fearing for their lives at the death of Stephen, yet without the proper understanding of what their mission and purpose was because of the failure of the leadership, uh, of the apostolic leadership at that time. And so we want to we want to look and, and, and go back and look at how the Holy Spirit began to move after the death of Stephen. Some seven to nine years later, he begins to to move and try to bring to the attention of the apostles. Uh, that they're failing, and how he does that is fascinating. So I want to look at that as we as we start our study today in, in in Acts chapter ten. And remember, everything we're covering is intricately tied uh, to to bringing the apostle Paul to his public ministry, and and yet in it as well we see the grace of the Spirit trying to work on his servants, the apostles to develop their understanding as well, but but they seem to have not been able to take that leap. There was something that that they that that they just couldn't get over the hurdle. And we'll discuss that, we pray as if the Lord leads as well. So in Acts chapter ten, would you turn there, Brother Jeremy, and would you read to us uh, verse one through five, please? There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, 
a centurion of the band called the Italian Band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine arm alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. So this is incredible because, again, as we're talking about, uh, the, the public ministry of the Apostle Paul and, and, and really the, the balance of, of his life was devoted to taking the gospel to the Gentile world. But this commission had been given to the apostles as we looked at yesterday in Acts chapter 1, right, where he said just before he returned to heaven, he told them to tarry in Jerusalem until they would be endued with power from on high at the, at the coming of the Holy Spirit to the earth. And indeed, the Holy Spirit would come. And he said, when the Holy Spirit came, your instructions are this. You'll be a witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, by the time we get to Acts chapter 10, we've had the death of Stephen, the scattering in fear of the church from Jerusalem. The apostles continue to abide in Jerusalem, and and the gospel itself, you know, has basically (laughs) settled into... uh, you know, a position where it's not really being taken to the rest of the world. And even though the Holy Spirit has been trying for years now, uh, in the meantime, the Apostle Paul's off being trained by the Holy Spirit, as we know and we've discussed. The Apostle has been trying, uh, the Spirit's been trying for years to get the leadership in Jerusalem to wake up and to understand what's actually taking place. And so after about nine years, seven to nine years, maybe 10 years uh, since since Paul has been been saved and Stephen was martyred, it, it appears that the Spirit of God in in chapter ten now begins to to initiate uh, a move toward the Gentile Church, and and we find this, or to the development of the Gentile Church and and, and the Great Commission, and we find this in chapter ten, where a Jewish convert, a Gentile convert, one that was up under Judaism, named Cornelius. A centurion, um, and and the Bible describes him in verse two as a devout man, one that fears God with all his house, who who was a great giver and and one who prayed always. Um, he's given a vision to call Peter. Right, that's what he told him in verse five: send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter, in chapter ten, verse five. In this vision. God God appears to him and then and then uses that vision to once again reach into Peter's life and to try and wake him up that he's not fulfilling the great commission and 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 I want to point something out here can you read verse 3 to us again brother Jeremy yes he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. So just as a little side note here, it's interesting to point out, the Holy Spirit never puts anything in the Word without 
trying to draw our attention to something. He says the vision came to this Gentile uh, convert to Judaism, Cornelius, at about the ninth hour of the day. And that we could read over that and not really see the significance of what's happening here. But remember, it was the ninth hour of the day when, when the sacrifice of Calvary was completed. It was the ninth hour of the day, that's about three o'clock in the afternoon, when the evening sacrifice is offered in the temple. And subsequently at Passover time, Jesus himself gave up the ghost at the ninth hour. And so it's very, very interesting to me that it's at that, that very hour that symbolizes the uh, Calvary, that symbolizes the ultimate sacrifice that the Lord gave, that the vision comes to this Gentile. Because that's what the gospel is all about was that not only the Jew would now be saved, but the Gentile as well. And that out of the two, a new church, a new temple would be born. And the failure of the leadership to this point to understand that fully, now after all these years, the Holy Spirit says, all right, I have to initiate this. Remember, the Holy Spirit has come to the earth in order to be the caretaker of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's moving and begins to uh, influence events here. And once again, this is a multiple expression of the Spirit, because remember, this has implications that are going to reach all the way into Tarsus. This is the defining event that begins to shift things in the Spirit and begins to, in a sense, begins to remove the extended hand of opportunity. And I know we could debate this at length, but the extended hand of opportunity in this time frame is seeming to leave and, uh, the, the, the apostles at Jerusalem. Because, again, he's trying to reach Peter. And we know from yesterday's study that what, what would happen is that Peter himself would have a vision where he would see uh, unkosher animals descend from heaven three times. And then God tell him to rise and eat and then reveal to him that what God has called clean that, that no man should call unclean. He was, he was beginning the process of trying to wake up Peter's mind and turn him uh, toward the Gentile world, which is what they were failing to do. Remember, again, like we said, it's been almost, you know, somewhere in between seven, nine, ten years uh, since the martyrdom of Stephen and the conversion of Paul, who, by the way, is now living in Tarsus. But think about this. Unbeknownst to Paul, Events far away from Tarsus are already being set in motion here in chapter 10 that were ultimately going to lead uh, to him being called into public ministry, as we'll see here in a second. But even after Peter saw the Gentiles receive the Lord and the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, fill the Gentile church, as you read chapter 10, because we talked about that yesterday, he still doesn't get it. It's really so intriguing to me that he doesn't understand uh, what's, <laughs> what's actually happened here. Uh, when he leaves and he goes back uh, from Cornelius's house, and he, what did he do? He returns to, to Jerusalem and Judea. And, 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 and let's read that, Brother Jeremy, in chapter 11, verse 1. Look, look, look what happens when he returns from Cornelius's house, the Gentiles' house. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. In verse 2 and 3. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, 
they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest into men uncircumcised and didst eat with them? And then it says in verse 4 that Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order to them. So basically, he comes back to Jerusalem having had this attempt by the Holy Spirit to open his eyes and to say, look, it's something really intriguing to me. It's like it never occurred to him that in this vision that was given to him and in the Spirit of God bringing him to a Gentile's house, the Gentile getting saved, his whole house getting saved, everybody gets full of the Holy Ghost. And that was it. He decides, okay, I'm going back to Jerusalem, which he did. And then when he gets there, what we just read is that uh, they they all marveled that the Gentiles had received the word of God. It makes you kind of wonder, what are they thinking? What are they doing? I don't think that we really understand how crucial this moment is in early church history. Right. Because because what was happening, right, brother, is 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 a move, a subtlety, a subtle influence yeah. of of the devil, right? If you look at it right. right. Well, I think but, it's important to also. Oh, I'm sorry, Brother Marty. Finish your thought, and I'll, I'll say something. Okay. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say was that this is a subtle move. We always think the devil is just going to come, you know, and throw naked ladies at you and a bunch of cocaine or something, right? I mean, in modern days, forgive mm-hmm. me, people. But I mean, you know, it's always a sex, drugs, and rock and roll when it comes to the devil. No, man. He, he don't need to tempt you with all that stuff. I mean, for people in the world, they just go for that stuff. But this is where the devil works. Because his desire is to thwart the plan of God. He's trying to survive himself. And what he was subtly doing over a 10-year period was minimizing the impact of Calvary. Because what was happening was that the church was in existence in Jerusalem and was just kind of hanging out. And the danger was, was that it was going to be absorbed into Judaism and become simply another sect another Pharisee, another Sadducee, you know, another another slant on the Mosaic law, but not an was independent, it, thriving church, which is what Jesus came to accomplish. Go ahead, buddy. Was it ignorance on the apostles' part or disobedience? That's the question, because, right? Because Jesus has said... Um, that you cannot bear the things I'm teaching you yet, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to reveal them to you. The Holy Spirit had already come, right, in, in the day of Pentecost. And, and obviously, um, you know, he was available to where uh, they could discern and interpret uh, correctly uh, the things Jesus had taught them. So um, is it ignorance still or is it disobedience? Because we spoke about <clears throat> Ezekiel. And how the, the the Lord told him to not rebel, right? Don't be rebellious. Right. Mm-hmm. Listen, you know, uh, but listen to the word of the Lord, right? Um, it's it's an interesting question to ask, I think. Um, well, it is. It's one that, what, one that where, they get, where they get where they get so comfortable in Jerusalem that they're like, yeah, I I, do, I know what the Lord said, but it's just too good right now to leave, right? <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> everything's just perfect, right? nobody's persecuting us, nothing. Or was it just pure ignorance? Again, now you're talking, now you're talking, go ahead, Brother Jeremy, then we'll get back to that. Go ahead. 
No, no, because I want to suggest, uh, this is just my opinion, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, along the lines of what you're asking, Brother Fernando. It, first of all, what's interesting is that all of this is happening after the Holy Spirit uh, was poured out, you know, and we see Peter preaching such a powerful message where 3,000 come, right? But it just tells us uh, what I think it is, and, and you know, this is what you guys think. I'll throw this at you. I, I, it seems like Peter still had some residue from before. Remember the times when Jesus, when they were putting, you know, the disciples go to Jesus, hey, look at the temple. <laughs> look at the greatness of this, you know, uh, temple and, and so forth. And he says it'll, it'll tear down. But it, it just seems like Peter still had some residue that God was still dealing. Even though the Holy Spirit had fallen, God had used him greatly, there was still some residue from from that and, and and god was beginning to reveal it to him in some way i don't know but that's that may be a no, possible uh yeah no those are both excellent thoughts right and 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 let's just let's just camp there for a second and, and talk about that because to say that it was flat out rebellion i would say uh i, I couldn't i couldn't agree with that because because uh but rebellion takes many forms right <laughs> You pointed yeah. out, was it ignorance or was it ignorance? Well, no. I think it's a combination of both, actually. And what you talked about, uh, I think, I think what you talked about in, in, uh, you know, talking about how okay, we started out and we were persecuted, but you know, we've spent the last several years in relative, you know, uh, peace. You know, they're not, they're not killing us. You know, Stephen died, yeah. You know, the disciples have scattered, yes, but. You know, we still have our our thing here. We headquarters is cool. The 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 high priests aren't fighting against us. I mean, we're 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 doing our thing. And so there's also a sense of comfort there, that that leads to a position of slumber. You know, and 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 what I wanted to point out is this is the subtlety of satanic warfare. This is the level of mm-hmm. uh, of the kind of enemy we're dealing with and how he. Uh, moves to affect our very thought processes if we're not careful. Because, <laughs> because again, this is a decade plus later, you know, and 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 still in that we see the Holy Spirit being, uh, you know, extending the hand of grace and the understanding of of how a servant of God is developed. But at the same time, when he moves in this vision upon the Gentile Cornelius to just to 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 move to bring Peter out of that place that you're talking about, Brother Fernando and Jeremy, uh, we see that the moment has arrived where it's time to grow up here. Mm-hmm. And really, what we're looking at is a danger that that's ultimately going to play itself out in the next 24 months or so from this period. That's going to bring them uh, to the point where Peter himself is going to find himself imprisoned just a few hours from uh, from from possibly being executed by Herod. That's 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 how the serpent weaves his way, because what was at stake here beyond just the fact that they weren't ministering the word to the Gentile world was that the devil was after their lives. Not only was he trying to get them to minimize, uh, you know, what the Lord had done. He was also trying to kill him because if he could do that, everything would fall apart. There's no apostolic call anymore. 
And at the same time, what we're witnessing, like we talked about yesterday, I think, is we're witnessing uh, moves and counter moves, right? <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really deep, man. It's really cool when you think about it. I mean, we have the benefit of looking back and reading it, but we're meant to learn from it. And and the uniqueness of what I find here is is interesting as well, brothers, is 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 that Paul became uh, so wonderfully developed in his sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Right? He talks. How many times does he talk about the eyes of your understanding being enlightened? You know, I went up by revelation of the Spirit. His relationship and development as a servant of God in the things of the Spirit far exceeded quickly. Uh, what what apparently happened, uh, and I say this humbly and reverently, uh, in in the level of recognizing the Spirit of God talking to them early on, as Peter failed to do here, because even though he saw the fruit, he he seems to have been yet ignorant of it, and I think all those components you mentioned, Brother Fernando, are resonant within it. I think comfort can lead to a rebellious response to a holy spirit invitation <laughs> so yeah. maybe there's some of that in there right but but let's let's go on because because here's where we go he he at first he receives opposition to what he did but he ends up telling them the story of what actually happened right so uh but then look at how they acknowledged what happened to the gentiles in chapter 11 can you read to us chapter 11 verse 17 and 18 brother jeremy Yes, for as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Okay, that, what we just read in 17 and 18 is the is the uh, conclusion to Peter's rehearsal of what actually happened at the Gentiles' house, right, at, at Cornelius' house, which they were fighting with him about. How dare you go over there? So then he gives the testimony of what happened, and then he says, how could I fight against God? I mean, it's something God obviously wanted to do. And then it says they held their peace and glorified God, saying, well, I guess God's giving the gift of repentance uh, to the Gentiles too, salvation to the Gentiles too. Consider what that reveals about them all. It's been some 13 years since Pentecost, right? And the Lord's commission to go into all the world, which they were badly failing at right now. And their statement that you just read, Brother Jeremy, then has God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life? What this reveals to us, really, if you can see it, is their failure to truly understand the gospel. Even the Lord had already told them that was the end of the gospel, right? What is this telling us? What have they been talking about for 10 years? In that this takes them by surprise. I guess the Gentiles are supposed to be saved too? <laughs> right. <laughs> what have they been yeah, doing? And that, and that's probably the, it's probably the ignorance part right there. Yeah. Um, but at the very least, they're out of the will of God. For sure, because th- those were the last, you know, part of the last words to the disciples is, you shall be witnesses unto me first, the order, in Jerusalem. Yeah. 
but they decided to camp there, right? Yeah. So the devil also heard what Jesus said. So the devil went about making sure that they're unbothered in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Incredible. so they don't have to. They don't have to go out. But it, it is. It is uh, uh, the persecution uh, that comes later on, right? That 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 causes the church to to thrive again and to be pushed out. And, and and what you just said there, brother, think of how important that is because we know from history that at this point there are about, let's see, there are about, you know, maybe 30 years, 25 years away, uh, give or take a few maybe years. 70. Yeah, from, from, from the temple being destroyed. Right. And so think exactly. how vital it was, right, that the, that's just why the Holy Spirit's reaching into Paul's life. Because these guys, 10 years later, still haven't left. You know, they got 30 years from this point. That's about right. 30 years from that point until the temple's destroyed. And they still haven't even begun the commission to go into all the world for the preservation of the gospel. The gospel, for all intents and purposes, was in danger of dying at the destruction of the temple, if you think about it. Right? I mean, that danger was present. And also, Brother Jeremy, I was thinking what you pointed out about the residue that remained in their Mm -hmm. lives. Because remember, it was ingrained in the Jew that they were the chosen nation. And like you pointed out yesterday, Brother Fernando, they had turned it into a nationalistic gospel, even in the book of Acts in chapter one, right? Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel, right? So Mm -hmm. ingrained was that nationalism that it, it 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 really required God taking a vessel out of it, because if you think about it, when Paul got saved on the road to Damascus, uh, he went back to Jerusalem briefly. He said for like two weeks, right? But then he goes on this thirteen-year journey, completely outside of the religious establishment and structure where the where the apostles were yet hanging out. He had to get him out of there, and and it, it is fascinating to me. I don't know about you guys, but this is incredible. Right, <laughs> I, think, I think it's a good a good opportunity too, brother Marty and brother Fernando, to interject something that, that I think a lot of our listeners may be able to um, relate to, and that's that most of us, at least I speak for myself, uh, who grew up in denominations, you know, and, and and I believe a lot of these denominations they started out good, you know, but as the Holy Spirit began to show us things. As the Holy Spirit began to deal with us, we had to make a decision to get out. While that's not maybe the the case for most people, but most people, it, it, there's no you can't stay knowing the truth within because it's just they'll they'll eat it up. You know what I'm saying? They'll suck the anointing or they'll make it theirs. God has yeah. to bring you up. Mm-hmm. And and you know and some like I said, this is not the case for everybody. Some. God allows you to stay. He has a purpose with that. Maybe at that church that you're at, for whatever reason, you know, to be a light. But for the most, for the most of us, as much as we try to make it work and 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 see, no, God can do. Eventually, God brings us out of our those denominations or organizations that we brought up. And I see a similarity to you know the the apostles being uh, fed on just hanging out in Jerusalem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Having that yeah. connection to the temple, having that connection to oh whatever or to or to other things, and I think now we understand 
you know, because people, they'll call you, oh, man, you just, you're just a uh, divider. Or you don't want to submit yourself. But it's not that. It's that when you've been confronted with the truth, you have to make a decision to come out from amongst them, right? Uh, and I don't know. So I just thought it would be good to interject that because I think maybe a lot of people can relate to that or find themselves well, in that situation where where maybe you're in a church where you grew up, that's all of you known, but now that you're being confronted with the truth, maybe it's time for you to come out. What do you guys think? That's, a, that's an incredible point because uh, – I believe that's precisely where we are again. Again, we, we always study scripture from the perspective of, of the parallels that we see in our time, as well as the truths that we can uh, prayerfully be instructed by as, as the Lord's able to get through to us and show us some things. But what you're talking about there is is what I was thinking about today uh, as well. I was meditating on that this morning and, and what Brother Fernando said earlier too about was it ignorance or rebellion or, or a combination of all of it. I think that we have to, you know, uh, also taking what you were just saying, Brother Jeremy, understand it from that sense that all they knew, all they really ever knew as a nation from generation to generation uh, was was Jerusalem as the central focus of Judaism. And, and And it's obvious here from these scriptures that we're looking at that even the apostles themselves didn't fully understand and I know this sounds crazy to some people, but it's true because they fully didn't understand the gospel in its fullness yet. They didn't understand it. It was going to take the great apostle to reveal it, the apostle Paul, because he would write 14 books of the New Testament. Over half of the New Testament was written by Paul, which is really a commentary on the Mosaic law and the prophets. It's an unveiling of what was hidden and who better than a Pharisee of Pharisees, right, by the Spirit of God to unlock the secrets of what the New Testament was all about? And subsequently through the years as they encountered one another, the development of the others would occur as well, uh, with the exception of, of the Apostle John, who I believe was just, you know, the most fantastic <laughs> spiritual guy ever. But, you know, him and Paul are like hand in hand in my book. But, but, but let's get back to this point, what Brother Jeremy was just talking about. That, that idea uh, that we can relate to in a sense is from that, that, that world of religion, that world of denomination. I was born and raised Catholic, you know, so Rome was like our Jerusalem, you know, and, and the churches, uh, the Catholic church, all roads lead to Rome with it. You know, I mean, whether you're a, you're a church in, in a parish in Louisiana or down in L.A., I mean, I went to Our Lady of Fatima, I think that was no, Our Lady of Refuge or something like that. When I was little, I went to Catholic schools, Catholic churches. It was an incredibly uh, well-established, 2,000-year-old, you know, give or take a few hundred years church. And then the, the denominational Protestant world came out of that system and formed its own system. Well, in the sense of the apostles, that's what they were up under. All they had was a, a system of, of Judaism with a centrally controlled place, Jerusalem, and then from there, uh, whether they were in Israel proper or throughout Asia Minor, uh, in wherever the Jew would find himself, they would form synagogues, little churches. But they were all answerable to Jerusalem. And so the understanding of how the church was going to be redefined, how the expression of, of 
of worshiping God was going to be redefined and that Calvary was the central focus of doing away with all that they had ever known into a more pure expression of not a central uh, location of stone and wood and, and materials being called the temple. But as Paul would reveal later, that God was now creating a temple, yes, but it was going to be made up of both Jew and Gentile, and he would inhabit that temple, uh, him and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by way of the Spirit. That's what Paul would write in Ephesians 2.22. So even though it sounds like we're coming down hard on the apostles, we're really not. We're, we're, we're trying to learn from it, and at the same time, we emphasize with it, because when you look at it from that perspective, it was so ingrained in them. They really were kind of you know, going downstream without a without a rudder, right? They're just doing their best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It, it seems like we're trying to find fault in the apostles. Quite the contrary, I it, it I think it 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 brings comfort to me that these were men just like me. Because <laughs> I yeah. would have done the same exact thing, <laughs> right? Yeah. And right. there's only there's only one perfect man here, and that's Jesus yeah. Christ. And and you know the teacher of teachers had come, the Holy Spirit, yeah. and he's beginning to teach and, and and show the disciples things that were still ingrained in them from yeah. years and years. You know, we spoke about it in uh, some podcasts ago about the leaven of the Pharisees, right, and another yeah. Sadducees. This this is the thing that was ingrained in the heart of all of Israel, you know, the leadership all the way trickling down to the the the, the, the little babies, you know, this is what they were going to be taught. So, right. uh, so 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 we we read the book of Acts and we see that there's tendencies in the apostles, right? Uh, and then yeah. he goes and chooses the most religious of them all who who <laughs> taught these things, right? who taught yeah. these things and he mm-hmm. has to be shaken up and cleaned up so that he can be the apostle to the Gentiles. So we see a beautiful work of the Holy spirit in the book of acts where he's, 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 he's doing something within the apostles, which is so beautiful, uh, continuing the work of Christ, right. In the life of the apostles that he chose. Right. So yeah, it, it's a beautiful thing that we're seeing here. It is. And, and, and what we're seeing is the birth of the church. And and right. how? Go ahead, brother. No, no, brother. I was gonna say, you know, the Lord when the Lord uh, began to deal with me personally, it, it just didn't come to me. Neither denomination. I did it the next day. No, it was a process of literally years. Mm-hmm. You know, fighting it. You know, fighting it. It's just all I knew. And, right. and, and there's a lot of great things that I that I'm that I'm grateful for, but I also saw the ugliness of it. And it was the hardest thing. My family, everything. I have built up, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. you move the ranks up, move up in the ranks and, and all that, those things. And and finally, when I did, it was the most, uh, uh, what, it's the liberating thing that I, that I had done. But it doesn't mean that I was completely free. I had just begun right. the process. I, it, it's, it's taking years. And maybe there's mm-hmm. still a little bit, even now, a little bit of that residue that may <laughs> sometimes flare up, you know, yeah. in my life. Yeah. And, it, and, yeah. and that that denominational thing comes out of me. But 
you know, I've seen how the Lord has taken me little by little, you know, and even taken the residue and, and becoming the man of God that God has called me to be. But, yeah. you know, it's hard because, you know, like, like I tell people, you know, my testimony is not a testimony of drugs and rock and roll and sex and all of that. My, my testimony is of a, 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 a drug called religion, you know, <laughs> which is to, to me is much worse. Right. And I don't mean um, to get out of, get off subject, but just to share, you know, my life so that someone who may be going through it, you know, it's, it's much worse because at least the drug addict knows he's wrong. You know, mm -hmm. try to tell that to the religion who thinks he's right to tell him he's wrong. You know, and it, mm -hmm. so all of this began. It was a development. You know, a few podcasts, a, a few podcasts ago, you spoke about the development of a man of God. You know, yeah. and, and that's what we see. It's that residue that is there, and sometimes it lingers for years until you come to the realization, like, man, I, just how messed up. And just when you think you're free from it and clean from it, that thing rises up again. You know what I mean? That little <laughs> the remainder. But it's a process. It's a process. Yeah. And as for me, and again, I'm not knocking denominate. I'm just telling you, I had to get out of it. I had to. Right. And I have no plans of going back, you know, because I know that I found who I was looking for, and that's a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, uh, how he intended it to be. So just wanted to share that, my brothers. Praise God. No, again, I think what we're, <clears throat> what we're talking about uh is church redefined, right? They had to learn that it was being redefined. And and again, yeah. we point to the parallels, you know, because what we are witnessing is is church being redefined in our time. I mean, I read an article this morning where the, the mayor or the governor, one of the two of Chicago, <laughs> uh, was threatening and is threatening one of the oldest churches in downtown Chicago, I think it is, uh, that if they don't cease and desist meetings, uh, up under this quarantine that they've implemented there in Chicago, she's going to send uh, bulldozers to to destroy their church, <laughs> to just tear it to the ground. So my point in saying that is is we're seeing uh, this this destruction of of establishment religion being threatened uh, with destruction. I meant to say, <clears throat> and and what's emerged out of this this uh this this realignment of how we we're going through our daily lives now in this most infamous of years 2020 <clears throat> as it pertains to the church is is people not understanding or or be suddenly becoming aware of the fact that uh church as i've known it how do i have church do i have to go to a building do i have to have the preacher stand in front of me and, and preach to me everything's being redefined and what God is trying to do, I believe, is 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 bring the church back to its roots as we're exploring right now and understand that you can have church out under a mango tree in Africa, man. I mean, it's, you can have churches in your room, you know, because what church is community, wherever two or three are gathered, right, in my name. But see, what threatens men in that that sort of, you know, talking that we're doing right now is that nobody nobody can promote themselves. Nobody can glorify right. their ministry right. or their kingdom, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> and so that threatens people. The church was always meant to be a Holy Spirit living, breathing, 
ever-evolving expression of God. And what we did over the millennia was was men have done uh, is is create a systematized, formalized religious expression that we call church. But that's not what the book of Acts tells us church really is. And so the parallels are striking as we're beginning to experience here in the West what the rest of the world for the last several decades has been experiencing, which is a persecution and a redefining of of what it means to be called the church. Because trust me, brothers, as you well know, you've been there with us, the poor of this world, rich in faith, that's who God has chosen. I've seen mothers carry children on their back, walk 30 miles to come to an open-air crusade in in Africa. I stood in the fields with, with my brothers and watched the most humble of people come for miles just to gather and, and, and seek God and, and, and go back to their villages where there is no church. But you would never be able to stand in those fields with me and my family and, and as we did in Honduras uh, and not say the presence of God wasn't with those people. They know him in a way that, that, that produced a jealousy within my own heart to, to be able to seek him without pretense, and without all the things that we think are, are, are needful for us to have church, all you need is a heart that cries out to him, and he'll be there. And, and, and the more that we understand that, and the quicker that we begin to embrace that, the sooner that we'll be advanced by the Holy Spirit into levels of relationship with God that really uh, he's always intended for us to experience since the day of the resurrection. <laughs> so, you, you know, um, so for, <clears throat> you know, what's funny, brother, that, that, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, brother. I'll, I'll do right after you. Go ahead, brother. No, it, it's like, you see people, you know, pastors are, they're, you know, when, when it was time to go and, you know, quarantine, you have to stay indoors. They, they, you know, so what do they do? You know, they're not, they're not allowed in the churches no more. So they take, the church into the house, you know, they set up their little pulpit right. and, and, and <laughs> right. put the chairs, right. line them up like they're inside the building. I'm like, wow. why don't you just talk to the people? Why don't you just pray with them? Yes. Yes. You know, it, it, but again, that's all they've ever known. What did Jesus mm-hmm. do? Right. He probably found himself a rock and sat there and taught his disciples. Like, hey, you guys come over here, man. Let me teach you something right now. And I'm gonna ask yeah. you some questions. What what, yeah. what what do you see? What's going on? Right. Who do people say that I am? Yeah. And, 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 right. and I think I think the people need those kind of shepherds right now. Yes, Amen. sir. Amen. You know I what agree. I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, we we need an apostle Paul who writes to the church. Yeah. And, and looking out for her well-being. Amen. You know, that's church. Praise God. Yeah. That church. Well, well there are people who say, well, you're not innovative. You don't have a vision. You know, we're thinking, we're thinking global. Really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah. All right. And and I get it. There's time for that. But yeah. there was times where Jesus had to speak to his his own disciples privately. The whole world didn't need to listen to those conversations. That's right. <laughs> hey, um. Think about it. You know, I'm laughing because none of us find ourselves speaking about us in a studio 
I'm, I, you know where I'm at? I'm actually in my room right next to my bed. There's a little lamp, a little old desk that I have. <laughs> You're probably in your room or your office, you know, nobody. They're all humbly. I'm kidding. You're probably in a, in a garage somewhere hiding, right? And here yeah. we are just opening up the word of God. That's what you're saying, right, brother? Why can't we just open up the word of God and speak it? Amen. Now, Amen. I just wanted to point this this out, brother. In, in in the book of Corinthians, they began to have that problem. Some began to say, I'm of Apollos. I am of Paul. Wow. And Paul has to correct that very quickly. What are you talking about? Yeah. You know, we, we're, we're all just laborers. The, the increase is the God is the one who gives the increase. And, yeah. and, and you learn something. Think about the, the, the epistles that he wrote. Most of them were to churches with the exception of to the one of Timothy and maybe another one that I may be not thinking about. But look how he addresses to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Corinthians. See, mm. it, it wasn't to this, you know, we all, we all think about names, and you know, right? This is, um, uh, you know, this is the church of the living God. But it was just a church known by the city. In every city, there was a church. That's who he addresses to, a body of believers. No glory wow. to anyone. It's just mm-hmm. to the epistle, to the church of Corinthians, to the church in here, to the church there. That's all he, he, was, he was speaking about. But what wow. have we made it, right? You know, we cannot, like you said, we cannot minister because what we're talking about, what you said, Brother Marty, it moves away <laughs> anybody taking the glory and the promotion of any person, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> it's, 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 but this is what God intended it to be. That's powerful. Man. And it's what he's returning it to, right? I mean, it's what he's returned yes. it to. Because like we talked yeah. about early on in our podcast in March, you know, we talked about after the resurrection of Lazarus, what happened from that? <clears throat> we talked about that this pandemic, this whole situation is going to it's going to end eventually and some new expression of life is going to emerge. But in the context of how we view it in the religious circles, we're going to see two things happen. One will be those who are content to sit at the table in a house with Jesus and the others will go back to headquarters which is what they did, and, and ultimately become the enemies of those who, who, who no longer uh, adhere to its, its structure and its, its, uh, its supposed authority to have a reach into your life and claim that you need to, to submit yourself to its, uh, its edicts as the representatives of God, right? So <laughs> it ain't going to happen. <laughs> God. God, right? So. <laughs> okay, so 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 it's right here, right? When 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 they acknowledge in verse eighteen, which is where we we launch from this, it's right here that the shift of the Holy Spirit occurs. The entirety of of church history changes right here, uh, because everything was about to change after they reacted the way they did. You mean God wants the Gentiles to be saved? Yes, dummies. He's been telling you that since the beginning. <laughs> Right, but you're so ingrained that you can't see it, right? But but it's right here again. Almost ten years have have passed, and it's as if, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, the Holy Spirit says, you know, yeah, as we say, <laughs> es todo. I mean, that's it, right? I mean, that's all that's gonna happen, man. Uh, I've got to move now. I've got to to begin to move, and the way I'm going to do it is incredibly fascinating to me because. That's where we, we come to the 19th verse. What happens? And we see, wait, before you read the 19th verse, brother, what, what we're looking at, the first thing that's revealed is, is that the Holy Spirit is going to now uh, shift 
it's vital to see what how he moves and again how he expresses himself upon the people that are that are becoming the church and what he's trying to say and and here in verse 19 we're going to see the extent of the failure of 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 the leadership to truly teach the word in the way it was meant to be taught when we see what happens in verse 19 can you read verse 19 yes now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia in Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but only the Jews only, but unto the Jews only. You see it? So the mm-hmm. first thing that we see that is now our attention is being drawn here is again we see the effect of the failed understanding of what the gospel was really about and the leadership. Because what we see is they go all the way into the Gentile world, Phoenice, Cyprus, even Antioch. And it says that they preached only to the Jews. These are the representatives that scattered at the death of Stephen. So we have an insight here as to the failure of how they were teaching the word to them. Because had they been truly teaching the word to them, like it was meant to be, the true gospel of Jesus Christ, they would have been preaching to everybody, not just the Jews, right? right? Mm -hmm. So it's at this precise moment that our attention is drawn to this because it's counterbalanced in verse 20. Can you read verse 20 to us, brother? And 21? 20 and 21. And some of them were men of Cyprus, and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. So here we see what happened out of this Cornelius event, and then what was said, right, in verse 18 that we were looking at. Oh, you mean the Gentiles are supposed to be saved? That's where it stopped with them. And it's precisely at this moment, as it's recorded here in the book of Acts, that now we see a shift take place, and the Spirit of God now begins to put a seal of approval upon the correct ministry. Enough's enough. It's time to grow up, and here's how it's going to happen. So he he contrasts two different approaches. Verse 19, they're preaching to the Jews only. That's all it says and there's no fruit. Verse 20 and 21, they're preaching to the Gentiles, and they're preaching the Lord Jesus. That's not even mentioned in verse 19. So I don't know what they were preaching. They're preaching the word. More than likely, it was some sort of, you know, weird, distorted gospel that had mosaic influence into it, the Torah mixed with, you know, a little bit of Jesus, but they weren't preaching the Lord Jesus. In verse 20, it says that the Gentile converts, they're identified, right, as men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Um, it says in verse uh, that, that they preached not to the Jews only, but to the Grecians. Do you see that in verse 20? So, so our attention is being drawn to the Gentiles, and they're preaching the Lord Jesus. And then what does it say in verse 21? Can you read that first the, sentence there? And the hand of the Lord was with them. The hand of the Lord was with them. 
not right not those that are that are still stuck in that old apostolic influence you know even after the cornelius event even though they had seen the gentiles saved they still weren't you know exhibiting influence or understanding of what was happening that's where the break takes place that's where the holy spirit now says all right now i'm going to try and reveal it to them this way <laughs> so he yeah. shows the difference between two approaches in the ministry right are we going to say something, Brother Fernando? No, no, that's it's it's startling. Um, what we're reading, you know, if we just pay close attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying, um, he's basically saying that the Lord was with those who were willing to go uh, beyond uh, the confines of yes. Jerusalem, right? Yeah, uh, but not with those who stayed there. Right, because right. ultimately, what ultimately what's coming is 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 the destruction of of the city of Jerusalem, right? In the future, right. and, and you yes. said something key earlier that you know uh, um, the the move of God could have you know ended with the destruction of 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 the temple if 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 the apostles didn't get a clue, right? right. So obviously the Lord, obviously the Lord's in control. And, yeah. and 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 he has a counterbalance to this whole situation. And that's the Apostle Paul, who would obey. Yeah. But so yeah. that, what is what the word is saying to us there is quite startling. Um, but it is saying what it is saying. <laughs> it is, and and that's why our attention at that defining moment. That's why I called it the Cornelius effect, because it was like ten years or so after all the you know Paul's converted, Stephen's been martyred, the church is scattered, but they yet failed to recognize. Even with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon Cornelius and his house, they they simply just made a statement about, oh, I guess God wants to save the Gentiles. And that was it. I mean, they never did anything. And it's like the Holy Spirit says, all right, that's it. It's been 10 years. I'm going to to now have to begin to move in a way that hopefully will get their attention, which it did and didn't in the 19th verse. They, they're still preaching only to the Jews. But this other group, they 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 understand, and they begin to go and preach to the Grecians or the Gentiles, and they're preaching the gospel, the Lord Jesus, and 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 then the Spirit speaks to us by saying, "The hand of the Lord is with them." It's meant to be instructional to the entire church, because uh, the proof that the hand of the Lord was with them is what it says after that: a great number believed and turned to the Lord. They're bearing fruit. That should have been a signal. Now, verse 22. Can you read verse 22 to us, brother? Yes. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they <laughs> sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. All right. Let's check this out. So after they hear about it. You know, and now it's not just Cornelius in his house. It's a whole bunch of Gentiles getting saved. And apparently someone who traveled from there, you know, in the conversations with them at Jerusalem says, hey, guess what's going on over there? This was meant, again, the Holy Spirit is seeking to, what, trigger a response. Because he allows word to go back to Jerusalem where they're still hanging out, that the Gentiles are getting saved. What was their response? In Samaria, they sent Peter and John, right, when Philip was having a revival early on in the book of Acts. 
Now not even the apostles don't even come. They send Barnabas. That just blows my mind. You know, they 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 were so entrenched over there, man, that they didn't even come right. themselves. And and I think it's what you said, Brother Fernando, maybe they were too comfortable. Oh, man, I don't want to go all the way to Antioch. I mean, you're talking a couple hundred miles, you know. <laughs> hey, Barnabas, <laughs> go check it out, you know. Wow. That just blows my mind, man. It just blows my mind. But 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 so they send Barnabas. And notice nobody came with him, right? What is wrong with these people? <laughs> right. it, it makes me laugh, man. Okay, so read verse 23 and 25, through 25, Brother Jeremy, would you? Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek. Saul. Incredible. Now Paul's about to be called into his public ministry. Time's up. And this is really kind of sad to me because a, a window of 10, 13 years had been extended to the leadership. The original, the original 12 or whatever you want to call them, right? I mean, and 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 it seems as if a door was closed here. And, and and the whole time Paul had been, you know, being developed and so forth and so on. But Barnabas comes, and it's really interesting how he responded. He didn't go back to Jerusalem. It says in verse 23, uh, when he came, he he saw the grace of God. He saw something. It, it wasn't just, you know, a, a surfacey observance. It, it 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 indicates a deeper sense of discernment of what was actually happening in the spirit and i think proof of that is that verse 25 he departs he goes to tarsus and he goes to find the great apostle paul oh that gives me chills brother <laughs> oh my god uh, a new era has begun and it's unseen right i mean we can look back on it and go oh yeah it's obvious but at the time they didn't know but a new day had come. It was time now. Paul was 41 years old now. 13 years he had been in development. The time had come, and he goes to get him. He's 10 years away from Athens, <laughs> but his ministry is about to begin, right? Something that can easily be missed here, but must be considered, as I was meditating on it this morning, it was the providence of the Lord that sent Barnabas to Antioch. Because what we yeah. see is that the prophetic was now being activated. For the for the burgeoning Gentile church, how do you know the prophetic was being activated? Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Well, where's the spirit of prophecy? It came in the form of Barnabas. How do you know that? For Jeremy, would you read to us Acts chapter 13, verse 1? Yes. It says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, 
and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod, the Tetric, and Saul. And Saul. But notice what Barnabas is called, a prophet and a teacher, right? Mm. He's called a prophet. God sent a prophet to this church because that's where Jesus was. My God. I don't know if you can see it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the testimony of Jesus, right? It attracts the prophetic. That's what happened. It was the, you know, it, it, it only seemed like, all right, Barnabas, you go. But really, it was the providence of the Lord uh, that brought him to them. Because when it says that, that Barnabas rejoiced and was glad when he saw the grace of God that was occurring there, he saw it from the eyes of a man who has the anointing of a prophet. And in that, if you can see it, he also saw by the Spirit of God that it was time to go get Paul and bring him here. And that's what he did. Incredible. (laughs) Remember in verse 23, like we said, he saw the grace of God. It goes without saying it's possible that in that Barnabas also saw that it was time for Paul. I think that's why he went to get it. He had prophetic insight. He understood at a very deep level what was going on in the Holy Spirit, what was happening. This is a prophet of God. His, his, uh, his understanding of, 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 of what was happening in the spirit concerning the burgeoning church. He saw much deeper than just a surface seeing based on what he did. He went and got the apostle Paul. That's profound, man. And so we're going to pick it up from here tomorrow because Paul's now come out. He's still 10 years from Athens and we'll get to Athens, Lord willing, by the, by Thursday or Friday, we got to look at those things, but we're <laughs> headed there. Right. But we're beginning to get a much deeper understanding of of all the players, man, that are involved here and how the Spirit of God uh, moves and counter moves and how he develops his saints and developed his church. What happened here has these far-reaching implications. Let's hurry through this as we close. As we close today, let's look at the flow of the Holy Spirit now amongst the Gentile church. can you read uh, verse 11, uh, ch- chapter 11, verse 26 to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. That's powerful, brother. Not in Jerusalem but amongst the Gentiles. And, and and this is Barnabas and Paul's ministry for a whole year. The name of the church, which has endured as our label for 2,000 years, it began here, not in Jerusalem, but out in Antioch wow. as they were fulfilling the commission of the Lord to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The disciples were first called Christians, first in Antioch. That's incredible. Now check this out. Consider this again. The prophetic makes another appearance right now after they're called Christians. Can you read to us verse uh, 27, brother? And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. Again, do you see how the prophetic is being drawn to this new church? It's now, it's the infancy. It's the Christians. 
it's the beginning really of the church in, in many ways. And I know we talk about the, you know, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the 3000 born again, the church was born on the day of Pentecost. Yes. But really what we see is the fulfillment of, of the, of the intent of the unfolding plan of God, as we see that they're called Christians. And we know that that's the case because that's what we're called today. 2000 years later, still the church is known as the Christian church. It began here and notice, that prophets are coming to it. <laughs> just Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> the Holy Spirit sends prophets to them. And then look what happens in verse 28. Can you read that, brother? And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Pilius Caesar. God sends his prophetic word to warn his newly formed Christian church. That's what he does. The prophetic is flowing in this church precisely because Jesus has taken residence within it. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so the prophetic word concerning the whole world now comes to this church. That's what he said, right? Throughout the whole world, this great famine, this great... Uh, economic recession was coming. That's basically what he prophesied. It was by the Spirit. He brought that word to them, not to Jerusalem. That word didn't flow in Jerusalem. It came to the church. All of these were events that were meant to, 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 to be instructional to the leadership back in Jerusalem. They had failed, but now Paul's here. Uh, Barnabas is there. They're both called prophets. The prophetic anointing is coming to them. They're, the label that was given to them in Antioch is the same label we hold today, 2,000 years later. The prophetic begins to flow. They are beginning to be warned in advance of some horrible thing that's about to come upon the whole world. It's incredible. And, and, and you know, it's it's the Gentile church that's flourishing now. The church in Jerusalem is suffering. You know, what happened, uh, What I, I was going to ask, I was thinking about that today. What happened to all the money, brother? Remember early on, everybody was selling property and, and laying it down at the apostles' feet? You know, they created a whole welfare state. They're feeding the widows. They got all this money flowing. What's happening now? There is the, 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 so, so not only is the fruit drying up, and not only is the source of money drying up, now we have a flourishing church. We've got the prophetic voice of God flowing, warning them of what's coming. His, his mantle of blessing has now come to rest here, precisely flowing through the ministry of Paul and Barnabas and the others we read about in chapter 13. It's the Gentile church. And nonetheless, uh, nonetheless the church of the Gentiles becomes a blessing because what ends up happening, and, and we'll more than likely we'll begin from here tomorrow, uh, is that danger is now on its way to the apostles. It, it's after this prophetic word comes in verse 29. It says the disciples, look at how the church responded. Can you read that to, to us, Brother Jeremy, in verse 29 and 30? See what happens. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Incredible. 
So what what we have revealed here is that even though this this famine, this this economic depression was coming on the rest of them, which reached all the way into Jerusalem, this Gentile church takes up an offering, every man according to his ability, and then dispatches their two preachers, their two pastors, right, Barnabas and Paul, mm-hmm. and sends them back to Peter, James, and John, and and the others uh, in Jerusalem to bring them an offering and help them get through this, this economic depression that was coming on the whole world. Incredible. My Lord. What are you saying, brother Marty? I'm telling you right now that God has his people and that you're going to be a blessing to those who don't get it, (laughs) but God's going to pour out his blessing on you. And you're going to be able, according to the ability, right? That's what it says here to help your brothers that are going to need help because they still have yet to recognize the times that we've come up under. But God is sending hallelujah. I feel that. (laughs) Yes. God is sending his prophetic word to his true church around the world, and they understand the times. Understand that that the time for that comfort that you were talking about, Brother Fernando, that they had been up under for many years now, it had come to an end. The church was moving on. It was dangerous times. Their failure to, to... to leave Jerusalem like they had been commanded, their failure to understand the, the Great Commission. After 13 years, their time was up. And Paul and Barnabas went back, and this is what they witnessed. Can you read uh, chapter 12, verse 1 through 3? Brother Jeremy? Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword and because he saw it please the jews he proceeded further to take peter also and then were the days of unleavened bread there's so much here you know and, and and we'll look at it in depth tomorrow but look at what's happened now the the, the shift is complete and and that 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 those years of comfort and ease and relative uh you know peaceful uh, existence in Jerusalem, it's over now. And, 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 and James is killed. This is serious stuff, man. James is killed by Herod. And Peter hangs uh, on the precipice of being killed himself now. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what it says. Uh, because uh, it, he was thrown into jail. And let us not Uh, let this little nugget go by. It was the days of unleavened bread. Mm -hmm. The days of unleavened bread are the days of Passover. The very time that Jesus was crucified and the gospel was born on Calvary, right? And the resurrection. All of this is symbolic. It's all meant to convey to the great apostle that you have been failing to fulfill the great commission and it's cost lives. And, and and James died, and, and now you're in jail. You're about to be executed by Herod. My God. And Paul, think of this, man. And, and Paul and Barnabas are in Jerusalem, and Peter is arrested. They're there witnessing the assassination of James. All of these things and so many more things that we can talk about, and we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully explore it a little bit more tomorrow because we're bringing Paul to Athens now. But all of these things were things that he witnessed, horrible things intense moments, the jailing of the apostles, the the killing of James, all of this, 
they were there in Jerusalem to witness, and 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 it worked in them an understanding that is that is far deeper than I think we've ever considered. As we will see, uh, these were the final events that ultimately uh, now uh, you know shifted a, a a great share of the burden of the building of the church around the world. It, it would now at least the mantle would begin to fall upon the great apostle Paul for the next 21 years from this point on. Barnabas and Paul were in Jerusalem when Herod killed James, and Peter's life was also gravely threatened, and the impact of this became event-driven instruction which the Holy Spirit would use, as the church now would begin to spread under the ministry of Barnabas and Paul. Ten years from these events, brothers, Paul's going to be in Athens, and that's where we're headed. And we'll we'll pick this up tomorrow, uh, and, and we'll see, um, you know, the implications uh, of these events and and what they mean to us today, and how we must uh, be sensitive to the Spirit of God and understand what it is that God is doing. Everything's being redefined, and and let us uh, let us be open to the voice of the Spirit, and begin to become familiar with what it really means to be the church. Even so, come quickly, Lord, is our prayer. Brother Jeremy, Brother Fernando, anything else? Amen. What a powerful, uh, what a powerful study today, my brothers. And uh, as we see the, everything that took place really after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Jesus would, che- would choose, the Holy Spirit would choose to call them Christians in a city called Antioch, tremendous. And uh, this is not just church history. This is uh, spirit-led history here that we're <laughs> that we're yes. talking about because uh, yes. we saw, we're seeing the undercurrent, how the Holy Spirit was really moving. We're looking beyond just what we read and how everything was ordained, right? And and everything really was the preparation. And what, what you said, Brother Marty, where we're heading, all right, which is to that encounter in Athens. I'm looking forward to what God has for us tomorrow. I pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue to examine these things and continue to glean from what God is saying in these chapters. I tell you what, if anything, it's going to give you a better understanding on how to look. When you read this book of Acts, you won't read it the same. And you, you'll be able to see and get some truths and some foundational things on how the Spirit of God was moving. Amen. So we pray you've been blessed as we have been. And we pray God bless you. May the Lord keep you. And as always, church, keep looking up.